Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that takes a look at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. I'd like to welcome Lindsay Neighbor, Director of Marketing at Rawlings Sporting Goods, to the Sports Marketing Huddle. So, Lindsay, Rawlings has a very rich history. You guys have been in business over 130 years. How has it changed over the decades? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So initially we opened as a retail sporting goods store and we sold everything from ice skates to brass knuckles, I kid you not, uh, downtown St. Louis. And then, you know, we, we evolved into a sporting goods manufacturer. And over the years we've sold, you know, primarily baseball items, but we've dabbled in tennis, golf, hockey. Uh, you know, even in more recent years, we had a big emphasis on the, the football side of the business, and that was led with uh, some of the technology um, and football helmets leveraged from the baseball side. You know, we went at, at it from a, uh, a safety slash protective uh, viewpoint and brought in some of our, our research and R&D elements from the baseball side. But uh, we've since had a change in uh, leadership here, which has been great for us. And I think with that, he's brought a really <clears throat> – uh, or he's emphasized rather uh, focus, focus on what we do well, which is baseball. You know, let's not try to dabble so much in, in other areas, not to say that we're not willing to try new things, but we know our core strength is, is the sport of baseball and making good uh, gloves especially. So we're, we're trying to continue uh, that route. And then, of course, <clears throat> working with uh, different consumers. So that's always changing for us. So, Lindsay, obviously, you know, Major League Baseball is such a pivotal relationship and, and of course, sport for Rawlings. And, and you have a long history going back with MLB and now, obviously, with the additional focus, making sure to stay, you know, with, with a larger effort on MLB. How does, that, how does that look like? How does that work with MLB and Rawlings? Yeah, great question. So this year is actually our 40th anniversary of us being the uh, official and exclusive baseball to Major League Baseball. So that, you know, to us is a vote of confidence that uh, the highest entity in the sport trusts us and, um, you know, enables us to provide uh, the best products to the best players in the, the game. So, you know, we have that relationship with the baseballs and the exclusive helmet provider. Furthermore, we have the largest percentage of pro athletes on field wearing Rawlings. Now, we aren't the, quote, official glove, meaning we don't pay the licensing fee for that, um, but we, we have the best in the game from Bryce Harper to Stanton to we recently signed, signed Mike Trout. Uh, and that strategy really hasn't changed from back in the 1920s where Bill Doak, uh, you know, he was a, a pro athlete at that time, and he came to us with some ideas on gloves. You know, we still rely on our pros, the very best on field, to uh, tell us what they're doing. Are they finger shifting in their glove? What colors are more um, uh, prevalent on field? That kind of thing. So really it's that top-down strategy of having the very, uh, the most elite in the game using our products and then allowing that to trickle down to the various age groups all the way down to a t-ball player. I'm very curious in that because as a, you know, as a brand with such a long legacy, both um, in sporting goods and with Major League Baseball and baseball itself, you know, we're in this time period where, in, and when Rob and I talk about marketing all the time, it's everything is so fast and social and digital, and not that that's not important, and not that Rawlings isn't doing that. 
But for a brand like yourselves versus maybe a brand that hasn't been around for so long, is the tried and true, the sponsorships of the athletes and the players and being on the field and being partnered with MLB, is that the biggest focus? Is that what's most important to the brand? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, it, it's it's a mix of things. You know, you have to get the, the marketing formula down right, and it's, it's, you know, the endorsements, it's what you're doing on social media. But we feel once you have those endorsements, everything else uh, takes care of itself. For instance, uh, I don't have to do as much advertising. I look at those pros as a walking billboard. I'm getting all of this advertising every time they take the field and the game is televised. Um, you know, I get social media placement because they're tweeting about their new gloves. So it's a, a bit of a two-for-one, if you will, uh, by getting the best in the game to use your stuff. And I will tell you, you know, Rawlings uh, tends to be, you know, a niche brand, as I, I mentioned earlier, with the focus on baseball. And we're not, you know, we're not UA, we're not Nike, we can't throw the larger paychecks at these guys, but it is, again, a true testament to our brand and the quality our brand offers when the Mike Trouts will stay or, or join the Rawlings advisory staff. Uh, that tells us we're doing something right, and I think if we ever lose that quality aspect, uh, our brand would be in trouble. So, Lindsay, I'm a huge baseball fan, and one thing that I've always wondered is what do teams do with the balls that are no longer – suitable for gameplay. So you'll see a pitcher, and he may drop the ball, and then it gets a little dirty on him. And then they just throw it to the umpire, and he just gives it to the ball boy or something. Mm-hmm. But that happens all the time in baseball. Do you have any idea what mm-hmm. they do with all those baseballs? I do, yeah. And I think we used to quote a stat that I think each baseball only lasts about six pitches. So you can imagine just how many they're going through. So a lot of them will – uh, save them and use them for for practice opportunities. A lot of them donate them, uh, so it's just it's really up to the club. But uh, they, I, I promise you, they do find a home somewhere. They're not just uh, disposing of them. Uh, but yeah, that's historically they they use them for practice. So can you talk about the Gold Glove Award, which at the end of the baseball season, this is seen as the pinnacle of defensive excellence and. Uh, I think anyone who takes pride in their defense wants to get a Gold Glove Award, and you oftentimes see the same players getting it because of the standard of excellence that they bring. So can you let us in a little mm-hmm. insight into sort of how that create, how that was created, how, that, how you guys used that? Yeah, absolutely. So back in 1957, we had an um, employee named Elmer Blasco who, you know, would go to visit all the teams, and he noticed, hey, you know, no one owns the space. No one's awarding uh, or rewarding, rather, defense. So he came up with a concept and utilized a local company at the time, uh, Brown Shoe Company, which was pretty big here in St. Louis. It's since uh, switched names, but most people here in St. Louis are, are familiar with it. And they actually worked together. The shoe company took the same gold leather that they used on uh, women's house slippers to craft the the leather in the glove that won on the award. So it's really evolved since then, as you can imagine. And it celebrated its 50th anniversary back in 2007. And we decided, hey, you know, uh, after 50 years, it's time for a facelift. So we, you know, worked together. We we did some research. We looked at luxury vehicles, you know, took that burled wooded uh, finish that you could see in some of those luxury cars, applied it to the, the award itself. Um, we utilized Heart of the High leather on it. Um, if the winner, you know, we don't choose the winners, uh, contrary to what some people think. You know, I have to field some of those angry phone calls uh, when the, a person's favorite player doesn't get an award, and I, I 
you know, dutifully say I had nothing to do with it. But, um, you know, <clears throat> when a, a player wins at their Rawlings endorser, they get their actual game day model made out of the gold leather. So uh, it's really unique. It's really personal to them. Um, you know, once a player has won a gold glove, they're allowed to use the gold patch logo on their gloves. So you'll you'll see a lot of players that, that have that integrated into their uh, their tool, their glove. And, you know, I, I remember a story of a pro not wanting to wear the gold patch, he went back to the red patch because he felt his defense was off that year. He wasn't deserving of the gold patch. So it's it's really reassuring to know that it, it still means something to these guys all these years later. Uh, it's still um, uh, it still resonates as the ultimate measure of the best defensive excellence in the game. So uh, aside from that, back in 2007 when we gave the award a facelift, we allowed it to be brought down a few levels to other gameplays. So, for instance, they award it now in minor league baseball. They award it in collegiate baseball, high school baseball. So, again, it's starting to, you know, really get people familiar with the award from an earlier age and to, you know, recognize what it represents. And uh, we have a big shindig every year with all the players and industry executives, and you can just see they're like little kids, you know, when they, they – have won something like that, it, it means something. And, and to me, that's that's rewarding to see. Lindsay, it's, it's really fascinating to get the, the behind-the-scenes insight on the Golden Glove, especially because it has so much legacy and it has such importance in baseball for baseball fans and players alike. Um, I'm, that's what I'm curious about. As we're talking about this in 2017, what are some of the challenges of brand with so much history and so much branding around you know, the sport itself, around baseballs and around the Golden Glove? What are some of the challenges as marketing itself has progressed and changed over the last few decades? Yeah, um, well, it's a battle I fight every day because, you know, with a, being a company that has such a, a legacy, as you said, or a storied history, it automatically, to some, equates to being old or old-fashioned or out of the loop. Um, you know, and we, don't, we definitely don't want to be someone we're not. What it comes down to for us is the quality, the craftsmanship, and the on-field authenticity. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Uh, that being said, you know, over the past few years, um, you know, some of the younger audiences, they're not brand loyal. You know, like my dad grew up as a Rawlings guy, so he's a Rawlings guy now. You know, kids now are different. They don't care. They want the, you know, something flashy that helps them stand out that will also get the job done on field. So it's an entirely different group that we have to be able to speak to and therefore, again, step out of our proverbial uh, box, if you will, to, to resonate with them. And I think ways we've done that, you know, we've taken – uh, some of our more popular patterns, and, you know, we've changed the color of that red patch. If you would have thought to do that a few years ago, uh, you would have been uh, heavily scolded just because it was such a, a crazy thing to suggest, you know, to go uh, deviate from our, our red patch. But we did a, a small test run, and you could not believe how well it was received amongst this younger audience that just wanted something different. And so, um, you know, it goes to show that we could do things in small doses and uh, challenge our traditional ways of thinking without going completely overboard because ultimately um, we do have different audiences that we're trying to reach and sometimes they could be more traditional. The younger guys, you know, as I mentioned, uh, want something untraditional. So we have to uh, appease everyone, so to speak, and offer something for every level of play. We're, we're very elastic. We make 
um, a glove that you could find at a, uh, for $20, we make gloves that are $500 and everything in between. So, um, you know, we want to remain true to who we are by still making things exciting in the game and not being confused as, as uh, an old, outdated company, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense, and it's actually a really great transition to my last question here, which is, you know, as we talk on this podcast and everywhere else so much, it's about being as fast as you can and as modern as you can, but the reality is for brands that, that, that have such a long legacy and last for 130 years, you need to have something that is at the core of the company, which says, hey, yes, we need to, we need to make some changes when the time is right, but we have to stay true to who ourselves are. What is it at Rawlings that has allowed it to be a company that has tr- transcended the decades and lasted 130 years? What advice for maybe younger companies or people, you know, entrepreneurs starting businesses, for, you know, from what you've seen at Rawlings, can they – um, do to have something that creates a legacy that's beyond just what's happening today? Yeah, no. Um, as a marketing uh, person, you know, I, I think in those terms all the time, what separates our brand? You know, if, if someone, were to, someone were to think of one word that sums your brand up, they should hopefully be able to come up with that word rather quickly, and we feel that that descriptor is quality. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we may not be the craziest, most outlandish, brand out there, but we're, we're solid, people can expect quality, and ultimately with quality, the best of the best, they're going to, going to want to use your product. So I think for us, that formula has uh, remained tried and true over the years, is just to make the very best product that the very best in the game want to use. And, um, you know, we, we try to, again, try new things in terms of uh, product designs and R&D, but ultimately that's what sums the Rawlings brand up. And if we deviate from that and, and lose that uh, aspect of quality, I think we'd be in real trouble. But, you know, as all these interloping companies come in, especially as you see in the wood bat, brand, uh, wood bat category, you know, you get all sorts of newbies that are trying to carve out their stake in the industry. And to keep up with them, you have to be able to differentiate. And, again, for us, it ultimately comes down to uh, the craftsmanship of the product and then the quality in the product, therefore leading to the best in the, fi- uh, the, best in the field wanting to use our products. Lindsay, we really enjoyed the insight that you shared, and as I'm uh, saying this, I'm looking at a Rollins baseball signed by Bill Mazeroski that was given to me as a wedding present. So certainly Rollins uh, has a place in my house. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the Sports Market Huddle. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I always uh, like to speak about our, our history and keep everyone updated as to what we're doing, so I appreciate the opportunity. As always, thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the Sports Marketing Huddle on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher.